Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of We Watched a Thing. I'm Billy, and as always, I'm joined by Topher. How are you doing, Toph? Very well, thank you, sir. How are you? I'm not too bad. What have you been up to this week? You know, the usual. Yeah, how's how's uh, how's, this your last week of working your current job, yeah? Before a potential rejoining of our efforts in the workplace. <laughs> That'd be fun if we worked together again. What what would that be, the sixth time? Something <laughs> something pathetic. <laughs> We're like those weird husband and wife couples who follow each other from workplace to workplace. It's weird. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way, though, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> But we're not here to talk about our bromance this week. What are we talking about? Uh, new, new-ish Netflix film, Triple Frontier. That's right. What What do you make of that name, by the way? You know what? I haven't thought of it until you just said it, because now that I think of it, there's very little in the film that makes me think of it. I actually, I actually Googled it because I was really confused. Apparently, Triple Frontier has something to do with that region where, like, three different kind of countries, Paraguay, something, something else kind of cross, that's the triple frontier. I remember hearing John Favreau once say that a lesson he learned at one point was just just call the movie what it is. Yeah, yeah. They they could have just called it Five Guys Heisten. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a much better name. This is why I should be hired by the studios. <laughs> you speak truth, my friend. <laughs> yeah. All right, so it's not called that, though. It is called Triple Frontier. It is directed by J.C. Shandor with a screenplay by Shandor and Mark Boll from a story by Boll. Stars Ben Affleck, Oscar Isaac, Charlie Hunnam, Garrett Hedlund, and Pedro Pascal. And what's it about, Toph? Uh, Triple Frontier region of South America <laughs> where three countries come together. <laughs> well, that's not really what it's about, though, is it? No. It's about a handful of retired... Are they are they army? Are they special forces? I can't exactly remember. I, yeah, I think they're special forces, and they they come together kind of ocean style for a heist. Yes, <laughs> though it's not really sold that way to them. Um, my man Oscar Isaac kind of leads them astray. Yeah, movies kind of full of twists and turns, really. And I've got to say, I found it a, a little. Let's just get right into it. I found it a little slow. Like it took nearly an hour before the actual action really took in. Yeah, I was um, largely the level of interest on Ben Affleck's face was <laughs> reflected in my level of interest in this film. Oh, so you're okay. So you're going straight out the gate negative. Yes. Well, the movie seems to have had a bit of a troubled past. A couple of directors and writers attached. Did you know that at one point, uh, Catherine Bigelow was attached to direct this? Right, because that's of course how I know Mark Bowl is his work with her. Um, yeah. Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty. And so, like, when I saw that he had written a script that was being directed by Chandor, who a few years ago made the excellent A Most Violent Year with Oscar Isaac, I was like, come at me. This sounds promising. Yeah. So, she was originally going to direct this and, and obviously Mark Bowl wrote it. I don't know how much of this has changed since that, though, because the reason that Chandor has a writing credit is because then he then rewrote it. So he took he took Ball's script and uh, I think he they are saying that he rewrote at least forty percent of it, and he did that over a period of years as he kept kind of thinking up new things to put in. Apparently, 
Yeah. I mean, there, there were times watching the film where I was like, is this really a Mark Boll script? Because with those collaborations with Bigelow that we mentioned, Boll's scripts, they're really good at revealing character through the character's actions, not just explaining who the characters are. Um, and there's a little bit of this near the beginning of the film. It, it happens well, like when Oscar Isaac blows up that building, tosses his weapon to some guy and says, nice shot. Yeah. That's good. It's informed us, okay, he was never really here. He, sh- he shouldn't be in this position where he's getting his hands dirty. So that's that's a good bit of storytelling, I think. But there's a lot of the script, which is, I mean, there's that scene where Affleck's character really does just spell out to everyone what's happening, what this means. And I'm like, I know. Yeah, yeah. And for my money, one of the biggest flaws is that the movie's too long. And as I said, it it takes an hour really before the action starts. And then even the next hour kind of meanders around a little bit. I don't think there's enough of a clear focus in the film. Hand over heart. I have a a note here that says, going full Billy, this should be 90 minutes. (laughs) It should be. It it should, yeah. And the thing about it is that there is a lot of quite good things about the film. I actually found that the direction and the filmmaking in general was really quite nice. Yeah, most issues I have are really with, like, the screenplay level. But I, I actually thought the look of this film was really, really good. Yeah, so it's, it was the, the director of photography, uh, Roman, I'm going to butcher your last name, Roman, Roman Vazinov. He's done a lot of work with David Ayer, so he did- That's right, I heard that, yeah. Fury, which was a really good-looking film. Um, a couple of the, those- Air projects that shall not be named. He was also the director of photography on. Um, it's a cool looking movie, and yeah. on like Chandler's side with the directing, like the execution, I have no beef with at all. I yeah. just don't care. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree absolutely. That's my problem is that I just found myself kind of dipping in and out of the story and not really caring. A bunch of that is that like. Why would we care about these characters? Well, that that's my problem is that the characters themselves I just I just don't care about. Like I none of them are particularly like strongly established characters and I think they've you know like yes there's there's such a thing as having character flaws that makes a character who they are and makes them likable. In this case their flaws are just kind of every like there's nothing likable about Ben Affleck in this film, which is crazy because he's Ben fucking Affleck. He's the most likable man on earth. Not a fact. I will fight you to <laughs> death on that. <laughs> that is a fact. <laughs> so of course we don't meet Batfleck for sixteen minutes. At which point we realise he's father of the year because like first thing he does is grab a beer to drink while driving his kid to school mate you don't have kids you don't know the struggles we face yeah but you don't drink beer so (laughs) (laughs) and then i mean oscar isaac is the character that i have the most investment in and i think he's the most interesting character well, and he arguably, I would say, is is the lead character of the film. Yeah, I think so. Um, he is the character that we actually follow from beginning to end. He is the one who instigates the, you know, what turns into a heist. Um, yeah, so he's arguably the lead character. And, and one thing I will say is that I think the acting is actually really strong. And that is the one thing that kept me interested, really, was that the actors were all really quite good. I personally would be pretty happy if we stopped trying to make Charlie Hunnam a thing. <laughs> he, he's from that bikey show, right? Sons of Anarchy? 
Yeah, I've never seen that. Is is have, do you know him from anything else? Last thing I saw him in would have been the largely quite good Lost City of Zed, which was kind of quite good, I thought, despite him. <laughs> I mean, clearly there are people that like Charlie Hunnam. There must be. I'm just not one of them. Like, to the point where sort of two-thirds of the way through the film, when they're in the helicopter and they're like, we need to shed weight, I'm like, you've got Charlie Hunnam. <laughs> Throw Hunnam out. <laughs> there's, a, there's a really simple solution here, fellas. <laughs> That's part of my problem is that you wouldn't have cared if that happened at that point. Because they're just so dumb. Like- of course that helicopter wasn't going to make it. Yeah. Yeah, well, you that's the thing. greedy flogs. None of them make good decisions from the start, and I don't understand the motivation behind any of their decisions, even right through to the final act. Like, I didn't care when Ben Affleck copped it. Like, I, di- I didn't care when he died. And then at the end, when they've got the five mil and they, you know, like, they're, they're already giving a mil to Ben Affleck's family. Did you buy that scene at all? Not for one not second. Not at all. I was like, there is not a chance that that's what these characters would do in that situation. Like, firstly, what what is that family going to do with five million that they couldn't do with one million? <laughs> and like, are, are you, the rest of you really going to give up your takings after that ordeal? Like, yeah. the, you didn't actually need to do. You did this for greed. <laughs> It's it's a really weird film because it it actually reminded me a lot of Cliffhanger. But if if John Lithgow was supposed to be our hero, that's kind of what this movie was like to me. It's like the exact same plot. They're lost in the mountains. They're trying to get the money. They're trying to get out. But we're not following Sly. We're following John Lithgow and we're supposed to care about him. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And like yeah, other, other people who, like my default would be to like these performers. Like I, I actually think um, Garrett Hedlund is really quite talented. If we yeah, have a I chance mean, you- to see that in a in better <laughs> roles, um, well, if, if they do remake the Princess Bride and he gets Wesley, <laughs> yeah, hashtag Tophus Wesley. Um, <laughs> yeah. Prince Oberon's there, yep, but also being completely uninteresting. <laughs> yeah, but I do think that the acting is the strongest part of the film. The acting and the direction, and I, I didn't mind the score as well. Score was good. The score was definitely better than. The soundtrack. There's some weird needle drops. I I was going to bring up the exact same thing. Yeah, the choice when Fleetwood Mac comes on. Yes, and it's yeah. like um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two <laughs> did this better. Yeah, it was funny. You know, I I watched this. I mean, as you know, I do sometimes. I watched this like in the middle of the night, like two a.m. And so I had the sound turned down a bit, so I had subtitles turned on just so that I could like keep track in case there were really quiet bits but it was really funny because every time a song came up the subtitle would you know say you know such and such plays which just made it even more obvious how weird and bad some of the song choices were when you're actually reading that going hang on i know i'm hearing this but is that really the song that they're going with (laughs) and to be honest like even right off the bat when we get metallica i was like and i mean i enjoy listening to metallica as much as the next person but i was like Okay, this already now feels like not the movie I thought maybe I was going to be watching. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, when they arrive in the jungle and uh, Credence Clearwater, you know, into the jungle starts playing. It's like, all right, they're in a jungle. We get it. (laughs) Yeah. Retire the song. Hooray for subtlety. One thing, like the one good thing that Affleck's character does in the film, albeit, you know, getting back to that really- we're not going to show you character, we're just going to tell you, 
is that he's the one that at least says, all right, just so everyone knows, we're criminals now. We are not the good guys in this story. But then he is the one that, like, he can't even be like, okay, so we're criminals, we're doing this, but we're we're doing it for our own reasons. But then he just becomes the most greedy one. Yeah, he's the one who goes all golem on it. Yeah, and, like, at, from that point in the film onwards, you're just like, you guys deserve whatever happens to you from here. Yep, absolutely. You've yep. got no sympathy from the audience as far as I'm concerned. And as such, also no investment from the audience- because you've so quickly gone from, we think we're being the good guys, to, okay, we need to admit that we're just robbing these people, to <laughs> to all of a sudden, we've crashed the helicopter, so let's just kill the civilians. Yes. Yep. <laughs> like, I think probably Affleck's character most especially, but all of them, they just turn to such dicks, but not in a cool, cold-blooded, operational way, just just being a run-of-the-mill knob end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they definitely go the full golem. And you're, that helicopter crash could so easily have been avoided. They already had so much money. If they, Yeah, if they just decided, you know what, 10, 15 mil each will do us, then it could have been avoided. So, basically, I hate you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could do with 10 to 15 dollars. Yeah, they're just like representing every- real estate hoarding baby boomer that <laughs> our generation currently hates. <laughs> I mean, speaking of, I got to say, how old is Affleck looking? His age. <laughs> That's how old Affleck is, man. No way is he that old. Dude, Goodwill Hunting was more than 20 years ago. Holy shit. You're right. They're not young. That has blown my mind. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Like, Oscar Isaac makes it look good. <laughs> yeah, he does. He is an attractive man. Man, I try and I'm I try. I'm like, "Oscar, you're doing bad things." <laughs> but oh, I can't stay mad at you. <laughs> so, this movie feels really large scale, I find. Like like we were saying, the look of it is really good. When you look at the cast list, it's it's pretty massive for a, a Netflix release. Do you think that this kind of signals, like, a bit of a change in the tide? Because to me, three years ago, this would have been a cinematic release. Like, no questions about it. This would have been a big theatrical release. Do you think that this is more where we're headed? Do you think that this movie really does mark the death of cinemas? (laughs) I'm not giving Triple Frontier (laughs) the time of day to say that it's the death of cinemas, no. But this is definitely, the, like, literally three years ago, this would have been a big theatrical release. It might not have been a hit, but it would have been a theatrical release. Yeah, but it also just might not have gotten made. To me, it just, like, seems like a film that was going to happen at one point, it fell to pieces, and that was the end of it. Yeah, right. And then, because we now have Netflix, we do wind up with it. I think it more signals just Netflix expanding their horizons rather than anything to do with cinema. Well, this, I mean, this has to be the the biggest Netflix production. Like, they've started getting bigger in the last couple of years, but this has to be the first truly cinematic film that doesn't feel, like, this doesn't feel like a made-for-TV film. Uh, Roma is more cinematic than this. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, Roma is more, ci- <laughs> yeah. But nothing explodes in Roma. Roma is also more of an indie film. Like, Roma doesn't have the the huge cast attached to it and stuff that this does, is what I'm saying. The scale of production on this film 
Yeah, it's big. Yeah, yeah. Th- like, do you think that we're going to continue to get more stuff like this from Netflix? I would think so. I think we're going to get more of everything from Netflix. Yeah. I don't necessarily think it's going to be pointed in any one direction. I think it's just going to be more of everything as they take over over the world. I I don't understand how they turn a profit when they're like spending this kind of budget on production for a film like this. Like I know that they're worldwide, but I I can't see the amount of turnover they're getting equaling the amount of output that they're doing. I heard someone say a kind of similar thing after an earlier kind of big budget film of theirs. I can't remember which one. And then someone kind of crunched the numbers pretty quickly and said, all right, how many subscribers do they have, you know, times, months in the year, blah, blah. And was like, oh, oh, that's a lot of money. Yeah, okay. Like, it was a stunning, it was a stunning amount of money. We should definitely, we should pitch something to Netflix, man. <laughs> all right. <laughs> we should- <laughs> all right, fade up. Ben Affleck looks bored. <laughs> I'd pay to watch that. <laughs> I know. See, you're you're set. I love Affleck, especially bored Affleck or sad Affleck. Sad Affleck is way better than Happy Affleck. Happy Affleck kind of freaks me out, to be honest. I'm trying to think to the last time I saw Happy Affleck. Like when you see him smile, it's just there's something disingenuous about it. There's something disingenuous about Affleck. <laughs> no, when he's sad and mopey, he just he feels like your kind of person. Like you can imagine him just like hoofing down a Big Mac and listening to The Cure in his car, and you're like, yeah, that's me. He's the everyman. I no Ben Affleck is not the everyman. He is the everyman. You're tripping. <laughs> All right, who do you think is the everyman? Martin Freeman is the everyman. You're only saying that because you think he looks like you. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> Someone else said that. Yeah, so all in all, it, do- it doesn't sound like either of us are super keen on this film. Can I guess that you're a five? You can guess that I'm a five. You'll be wrong. I'm a four. This is subpar. Wow. See, this this to me is a five. I think the production values alone and things like the the, the performances of Oscar Isaac and Affleck and the, the score and stuff bring it up for me. So- yeah, I'm I'm going a five. Yeah, like the f- the filmmaking itself is is fine. I've got no beef with it, but it's just papering over this two hour thing that I don't care about. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly not a recommend from me. The characters aren't strong enough and interesting enough that it's good enough to be good, and the action isn't fun enough that it's fun enough to be fun. It's just sitting in this middle ground of nothing. This is definitely, I would say, more of a drama than an action. Like, this is a drama with action peppered through it. And not even, you know, like, I would say that, like, Sicario is the same. But Sicario has such a sense of tension throughout the whole movie that that keeps you gripped. Whereas this is just kind of a really dull film for the most part. And ditto the the Mark Bowl films with Bigelow. They're dramas in intense, violent settings, which this- is trying to be, but just isn't. Yeah, it's not as good as Cliffhanger. <laughs> Unfair to compare anything to Cliffhanger. I mean, uh, like, honestly, if you look at heist movies where they're, like, stuck in the mountains, Cliffhanger is the top. Look, of every heist movie in the mountains with Sly Stallone, <laughs> it is the best. <laughs> I'm sensing that you don't love Cliffhanger. Uh, no, I've seen it. <laughs> I don't think you've seen it recently enough, mate. Oh well, I, yeah. Admittedly, it's been a long time. It's you, so you think good. that as I've gotten older, that's a film that I would like more? 
Yeah, I'm telling you that it's uh, it's up there with The Rock in terms of awesome action films. I watched half of The Rock the other night when I was flicking channels. Now, that's a good film. It was a lot of fun. But like Cliffhanger, it's aimed at 16-year-old boys. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with that? <laughs> Speaking of aimed at 16-year-old boys, we're getting really off track this episode. Have you seen the trailer for the new Dora the Explorer movie? I saw like three seconds of it today and like, I mean, I'm in this Goldilocks zone where I'm old enough that I don't really know that it exists, and I, but I also don't have kids. So Dora is just no part of my life. It, that just seems like such a strange thing to do to me because Dora is like preschool level. Dora the Explorer is for like four and five-year-olds. Oh, I saw it and thought it made perfect sense. I was like, they are going to make some money. Yeah? My understanding is that that shit sells. Yeah, but to to the audience they're going for, it looks like they've really made it like a like an action type movie. No, you'll go. I mean, I will definitely, <laughs> and I might even take my daughter if she's being good that week. So no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't have kids. All right. Well, what are we getting to next week, buddy? Next week we're joining the rest of the world from the box office report I just saw in seeing us. Yes, Us is finally coming out this side of the world, and I am super keen for that. Word is that it is as good, if not better, than Get Out, which I loved. I've heard it's good, but not Get Out. I'm really, really curious to see where this goes. I'm a big Jordan Peele fan. I'm a big horror fan, which you aren't. No, horror sucks. You loved Get Out, though. Well, I'm not a racist. (laughs) No. Speaking of horror, though, we still don't know what we're getting to the week after that. No, are we going to need to, like, make a a poll or- Yeah, maybe we should make a poll. Although, I mean, you know how I feel about the democratic process. It's rubbish. <laughs> I mean, because we get two big releases that week. We get Shazam and we get Pet Cemetery. Is Pet Cemetery a big release? <laughs> well, to me it is. To Stephen King fans it is. Yeah, true. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I think the week after that we get Hellboy. Are you keen on Hellboy? Yeah, I'll say Hellboy. Well, we could scrap Hellboy, though, and just do, like- No, I'll do Hellboy just for the the David Harbour of it. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Well, yeah, we're going to have to work out which one of those we're doing. If I mean, if dear listeners, if you have an opinion on whether we should see either Shazam or Pet Cemetery, let us know. I mean, my default setting is don't give money- to the DCEU. Which was why Pet Cemetery was the one on our schedule. And then when Shazam started getting fucking rave reviews- Yeah, it turns out it might actually be the better of the two. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see where we go there. But next week is us, and I'm excited for that. In the meantime, if you do want to get in contact with us, you can do that at wewatchedathing.com or wewatchedathing at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchedathing. If you do want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchedathing, and we'll catch you next week. Go watch a movie. Oh,